Here's a new podcast with the Sterling cast. Still are the Tims. Have it with book fast. Swearing's in the air. And we'll all be there. Still are the Tims. Still are the Tims. It's all for you. To wear your view. Larkin sets the scene for the white and green. Fuck the SFA. We still won the day. Still are the Tims. Still are the Tims. Still are the Tims. Still are the Tims. So there was a Champions League draw on Thursday um, and it always amazes me every year you get this thing where people are like, oh for fuck's sake, hurry up, get home. I'm like, have you ever watched the Champions League draw? It is the Olympic champion he fanning about um, before it. And I actually was travelling um, probably for the first time ever. I can't recall ever no being sitting in front of the telly for it or a computer. Uh, so I kind of had it on the phone. And it was suddenly starting to unfold where I when I was at a uh, TV, which um, I would say previously was the best service station north and south, but the fucking prices have went through the roof. Anyway, and when I seen the, the draw unfold with Napoli and Real Madrid, I was like, if we get them, I'm going to fucking fake my own death like that boy in the canoe, because we would get... I think I play the best team in Europe right now, I really do, and obviously Real Madrid are Real Madrid, so when the draw came out, I was kind of pleasantly surprised, it was kind of new, you know, um, Feyenoord, um, we obviously have history there, and there seems to be a decent relationship with the fans, Um, Atletico Madrid, we've got some history there, which... um, isn't he so good? Um, and then Lazio, who we despise and beat home and away the last time we played. So um, that was it was you know fucking you know you're talking Rotterdam, 
Madrid and Rome. I mean, you're not going to get much better than that. And uh, I see fucking the quick, quickest people off the mark with that is fucking easy to get and any other bastards. But that's another story. But in terms of the draw itself and the way it's been laid out, you know, go to Rotterdam first. Now it's it's no the worst. You know, it's f- tough. I mean, what, who isn't going to be tough at this level? But I would argue there isn't an elite team in there. You know, there's no Bayern or Real or Barca or Man City. Um, and so, if we can get any kind of team together and stick get new signings settled in, particularly the ones that have just come this week, and also players back for injury, I mean, that was the only thing I thought, oh, fuck, you know, we're going to Rotterdam without half the defence. You know, we could might have a, a, a decent fist to get into third place at least. Anything after that's a bonus in my opinion. And I think that comes from previous experience. I mean, our record in Europe in the last 20 years has been fucking appalling. There's no getting away from it. There's no two ways about it. It's as simple as that. And I think ultimately that is the the legacy of this board and Peter Lowell and Dermot Desmond in particular that they have literally sort of turned us into a laughing stock in Europe. Not even a laughing stock, because just an irrelevance. So that's why you kind of go into these draws with a mixture of trepidation and excitement, because you're thinking, oh God, we could get annihilated, you know, and have been. And the thing is, as well, at this level, um, you get to use that phrase all the time, at this level. When we played Real Madrid at home last year, the first half at Celtic Park was as good as I've ever seen a Celtic team play. We were absolutely all over them, and if we had people there to actually take the chances, we, we would have won that game. But what the difference is with these absolute elite players and teams is, when they get the ball in the optimum position, they do not panic. It's what they're there to do, you know, it's what they train every day to perfect like Luka Modric and people like that and they just ping it in the net and you're good night Vienna you know now we're a million miles away for that there's no getting away for that right and ultimately it's a discussion for another pod I don't think we're ever going to buy our way into Europe like this we only should be developing our own players but you know we'll come on to that later but with this draw I think there is a mix of excitement and hope, and obviously they say the hope that kills you, but, you know, looking at the fixtures, I'm like, you know, this isn't the worst, it's not the worst, and, you know, we'll get three sailors at Celtic Park, there's three great trips, and, you know, let's have a decent fist at it. I mean, Brendan Rodgers, I think, has got a long way to go to be that kind of manager after his performances, you know, previously, where we're playing teams, we're playing elite teams like PSG and Bayern Munich, and you're going all out, what do you think's going to happen? But, I tell you, I wasn't that disappointed. I might even make the odd trip. And, uh, yeah, bring it on. So, Champions League 2023. Not the hardest draw we could have had, by any means. Not the easiest either. Fire out. Some unfinished history there with the 1970 European Cup final. Lazio with a fascist fan base and their love of Mussolini so that'll be tasty home and away uh, Atletico Madrid again some historical context there with a 1974 European Cup farce where they 
first leg at Celtic Park was marred by an absolute hatchet job by the Atletico Madrid team. Uh, kicked Jinky to hell and back and failed to be punished by the referee to the extent that they should have been. If anything, the game should have been abandoned to Celtic awarded a 3-0 win but Celtic's tribulations with UEFA again hope to get to at least one of the away games uh, quite happy with the draw to be fair uh, I think if we play to the way we can we can take something for the group i.e. third place I don't see us qualifying for the last 16 due to the underinvestment in the team in the correct areas I think we're surely a goalkeeper and a, a decent left back I hope Brendan comes to his senses and moves scales over one because the diagonal ball over the top kills Greg Taylor every time um, I think that a third place finish and dropping into the Europa League is probably about a level at the minute due to the the abject failure of the board to give the manager the tools that he needs. Um, disappointed in Brendan that he would actually accept that. He could do the, the club a big favour by calling out the board and resigning for not delivering on their promises in the summer. Uh, that's my thoughts on the Champions League. Uh, looking forward to it. Ah, yes. It would be easy to kind of say, oh, I've seen that coming. You know, no problem at all. I did not in any shape or form see that coming at all. You know, the start to the season and uh, obviously the line-up with the injuries and stuff, it was a wee bit like, oh, fuck. And, you know, it was an easy kind of jab at the recruitment in terms of how many weren't even involved or anything like that, guys that you've brought in. Um... There's two caveats I'd give myself. The first one is I've only seen them play 15 minutes of the season. That was at Kilmarnock, um, first game of the season. And I did say before the game that I kind of feel the same way as I do before the, or as I did before the Johnny Hayes 2 0 game at Ibrox. Um, so, no qualms about it and saying a little trepidation before the game. But I've got to say, within 10, 15 minutes, I was like, these are shite. Um, they've spent a lot of money, the Huns, and um, it's difficult to see on what on that kind of performance, but particularly when after spending all that money, they're relying on uh, Kima Roof to play. And, um, you know, I mean, I thought our back four were shaky, you know, throughout. Um, apart from Alistair Johnson, who had another great game, Taylor was all over the place as usual. Um, Scales was making basic mistakes um, and obviously the big Swedish guy I think some you know I'm screaming like go over and tell him you can't get time on the ball here right um, and that, obviously that leads to um, the goal that the Huns got chopped off which I'll be first to admit I'd be screaming about but the rules are the rules and that is a foul end of story doesn't matter how fucking much you've celebrated and how many head cases like fucking Kenny Miller and Chris Boyd who could they spell fucking rule book or shouting and balling? That's just the the way it is. Uh, and fucking I was delighted. Wanna watch when we got that because after that I think we were kind of like, right, let's do this. And some of our passing from midfield to front was really good and they couldn't really cope with that. Um, 
And so we started to play a lot like the the last important game at Ibrox, which of course was in January, not in fucking May when Oriza Halfwits thought they'd, you know, got one over us. And I thought, we're completely dominant here. You know, Chris Sutton said it in the match, you know, the Huns kind of turned this into a football match because they're getting outplayed. And that's what exactly what was happening. So, you know, it was looking good. There was still, you know, shaky moments and there was still like people like Turnbull, again, anonymous. And I'm thinking to myself, surely fuck, you know, Awata, name it be seen, Quan, whatever. There's got to be somebody in there that can do something. I mean, obviously Hatati comes back and he's a first pick. But um, I was expecting them to fly out the traps and it really didn't happen. So we've come away from uh, Castle Grayskull with a rather unexpected win in my eyes anyway. I'm sure a few years uh, probably thought the same as well. <laughs> Mental as usual. I was sitting there and I was saying to her after 20 minutes, Jesus fuck, it feels as if it's like an hour gone. But uh, I, it was a game where a few things were confirmed to us on both sides that they are shite for one uh, and another one that the people that we have got that are currently in a Celtic starting at 11 are just the phrase with the jersey doesn't shrink to fit inferior players but I'm sorry there's a few of them in there they know that just that term can be applied to and it's no harm to them they're all decent professionals and everything else but you're talking about us going there the day in the position that we're in, in the position that they were in, nay fans, nothing there, people that's going to need to be in the tap of their game, be it a new signing or somebody like Scales. Or, at the end of the day, we're fucking in relying on these guys, and Jesus fuck, did they know he's a heart attack a few times? I mean, Big Lager Bielka, he's been a worry for me when the games that I've seen him, and all day long, he was just a bomb scare, just an absolute bomb scare for me. We got, uh, we looked at it as if we got away with one. Um, in real time, we're all thinking, "Fuck, what's that?" And then I don't, I, I watched it on Celtic TV, but I love to turn it over at half time and full time for the reactions on Sky Sports. And McFadden, I caught his summarisation it and. And when you break it down, the laws of the game, it's a foul. It, it doesn't matter if you made an arse at which you fucking did. There's no dispute in that. And everything else, soft or whatever. But these are the things that Ryan Kent and Sakara and fucking Cantwell and all that, they, they get every day of the week. So don't let you don't let you be told that that one decision today just proves that far no against Celtic or whatever else. I would be surprised that we were given it. But look at the man in black again, Robertson. Fucking hell. Jesus fuck. I mean, there was a save that Butland made. Cracking save. Goes out. What does a gee? Goal kick. Uh, going through the back of players. Peter Grant highlighted it in Celtic TV. Raskin, three or four tugs of the jersey and everything else. And I don't know what they see in that boy, by the way. I know I'm just going to throw that in there. What a fucking... I mean, last season he was a be-all and all saviour, wasn't he? But, oof... <laughs> players that aren't even good enough for a jersey he's not even good enough for theirs but three points Kyogo what a strike again quality quality it was a surprise that he hadn't put his in front a couple of times before then um, no like him 
but what a fucking strike. What a strike into that, the corner of that net. And I mean, when you're talking about getting a goal at the right time and everything else, that just, that drove home to them that they were shite. They knew it and everything else, but as long as we weren't, had, we didn't have our noses in front, they had the hope. And as we said before, and lovely as it is today, it's the hope that kills you. Uh, so going into the half time, 1 0 up, and we should have killed them, shouldn't we? We should have, and. and Again, coming back to players in my eyes, they're going straight into a Celtic jersey. You can't put players that are not ready into a Celtic jersey at Ibrooks with no fans there, with under that pressure. A slender one, no lead, and everything else. I mean, Yang and stuff, and what have you, they're all going to be decent squad players, aye, whatever, but in a day like the day, but I thought it just proved that the boys that are asking to fill the jerseys are now only good enough. But trying not to sound too miserable, although I don't want to say paper nearly cracks a wee bit. Um, we'll be a different beast when Big Carter Vickers is back and you've got Johnson in full 90 minutes out of him and, and what have you. Um, but all in all, it'll be good to go into work tomorrow and see a few of our Blue Nose friends and what have you and just enjoy tomorrow and everything it brings. And the Huns now. Celtic one, heel heel. Celtic with a one 0 win at Ibrox. I have no idea how we've just done that. Before the game, I was very pessimistic. The team lineup made it even worse, um, and that's so how the game panned out. Okay, it didn't start great. Um, the, the goal for uh, they got in the first minute and it was rolled out for offside absolutely spot on clearly offside so no dispute there um, after that we kind of commanded the game we had a couple of chances that Kiogo didn't take um, so probably should have been 2-0 up before the supposedly controversial moment in the game um, now like a Belkin hasn't done well um, he had made a complete mess of it but the Rangers player does put his hand up and gives him that wee push so it's soft. I mean, if I'd gone against us, it'd be raging, but it's, it's not a free kick. So um, I think the referee was right to rule that one out. I'm never happy with the way the defenders get these soft free kicks, and the strikers never do. But in this instance, yeah, technically correct. And I'm delighted they got ruled out because um, it got us out of jail a bit. And then just. We can, as we came into the game, um, and after the first sort of 10 minutes or so, we controlled it. We, we had the best chances, um, and probably both halves actually, but certainly in the first half, we took the third one through Kyogo, which is probably the, technically the most difficult one for him to take. Um, cracking finish, or the only goal of the game, uh, just an injury time, so it definitely changes their team talk. And then the second half, I think we probably. Knew we were defending our lead. Um, we never took too many chances. We did create a couple as we were uh, on the break. Kyogo probably hit, should have had another uh, goal. Uh, there was one later on after he'd went off and uh, we never quite put it together either. But I mean, for Rangers, for, for a team that had gone into the break 1 0 down, they never troubled us setting half. They had most of the possession. The game was played in around our penalty area, but there was nothing. Well, I don't remember. Anything that really threatened us all that much, so I never let the glove on us. So um, yeah, we've got away for Ibrox with a victory in a game that I never thought we were going to get in from. Um, I don't think anybody could really argue what the referee was uh, doing in that game. I don't, I, think, I don't think we got many of the softer fools after the the one that he gave him VAR. But 
um, I don't think there was I don't think there was any controversial there. You can't dispute that um, Rangers got their just desserts. I don't know. Um, so where are we now? Mm, long way to go. Um, the centre half pairing still looks shaky, although they now have back-to-back clean sheets. Funny how football works. Um, we need to get the guys back as soon as possible. It's, well, it's two months, we're saying, so we're not going to see them anytime soon. Lagerbielka looks very much a kind of work in progress. I don't know what Phillips will like when he comes in. We'll see. Um, we are light up top. Joe Hart done his job today, can't really fault him, but I still think we need a stronger keeper. We never got any of them in. Um, so, I would, I would worry about us in Europe because when you get four or five chances in a game as we did against Rangers at Ibrox um, and we've taken one of them you need to be taking more of them we could have won that game four or five now given the chances that we had we just couldn't put the moves together properly so I think I'm hoping we can regroup after this international break now Um, see where we are see what the new guys are like because of all the new signings we've made this summer Lagerbielka was one when it started today so there's concerns there it feels like they're a bit weaker but work in progress um, that's a massive psychological blow to them though they should have been winning that game today and they will know it and they will moan about the ref I'm sure but they could have done better never with the glove in the second half they are not that good and PSV proved it in midweek and we've just proven it today Rangers now Celtic won a performance on how to get the job done when you're not playing at your best coming into it when you're racked with injuries and the first half by far the better team uh, Kyogo's goal was an absolute belter he should have had a first half hat trick if he'd have uh, taken more care and uh, got his finishes on target I uh, thought big skills my man of a match today has uh, been under pressure coming into this game everybody on his back saying he's not Celtic standard by far the best player on the part of the day for me a nervy tense game which Rangers never really looked like getting a foothold in they put us under a bit of pressure in the second half, but we stood up to it well. Again, in the second half, big skills was outstanding. One everything in the air, one everything on the deck. Played instead of just hoofing the ball up the park, his clearances went to Celtic players and put us on the front foot for counter-attacks. In the second half, we had a bit more care. We should have scored two or three more on the counter-attack. Final ball was a bit lax. Uh, but on the whole, Absolutely delighted with that. Where we've been coming into this game, uh, the recruitment has been exactly top-notch. Uh, only one of the the deadline day or the deadline week signings made the, the bench uh, and never got on. Uh, it was good to see Big O back. Uh, someday... That plays a bit different to Kyogo and not scared to ruffle up defenders. And Big Goldson looked absolutely shite, scared him uh, when he came on because uh, he knows that he's not going to get an easy time with him. 
I thought Brendan Rodgers got his tactics spot on. Uh, that was basically a masterclass. One tactician and one long ball merchant. Uh, we caught out Rangers passing lanes uh, most of the time. They got in behind us a couple of times in the left-back slot, where I thought, again, Taylor was probably the worst player on the park. Looked nervy, looked edgy. Uh, his passing was shocking. Uh Got a bit better during the game and then obviously went off. Bernabeu did really nothing there. I think once all the centre-halves are fit, the answer to that left-back slot's probably sliding scales over one uh, and playing him in the left-back position. Uh, that game will do his confidence the world of good. Uh, and I think, on the whole, Celtic thoroughly deserved that. Rangers look a one-dimensional team hoofing the ball long in the hope of one of their three strikers come wingers don't know what position they're playing uh, gets in behind uh, I've got no worries about facing that Rangers team any time this season and if it wasn't for the fact they were so shockingly bad the Celtic board would be coming under more pressure than they currently are due to the the transfer business this season, uh, leaving it to the last minute was criminal. Uh, I think that if they had anybody other than Beal as the opposition, uh, we would be in a lot of bother than now. Saying that, we have a knack of winning these games under Brendan Rodgers. So, on the whole, absolutely delighted with the win. Uh, could have been more and that's going to scare the life out of the Huns. Where Celtic are just now, uh, it's a bit 50-50 for me. I didn't expect anything going into the game today. Uh, I thought we were on a hide into nothing. Uh, turns out how wrong was that. But we are not a good team, and I think we're going to get sadly found out in Europe. We have no pace in the middle of the park, Callum McGregor looks a shadow of his past couple of seasons form, although he was a tad better today. Uh, I thought Matt O'Reilly was fantastic today. Again, uh, he's been a real high spot for me this season as somebody who's actually stepped up in performance level, uh, although he does lack that bit of pace to be a real top, top player. I think defensively, uh, right back were covered I thought Ralston did okay when he came on uh, left back is a worry for me uh, the one major position we needed to recruit for this season and Brendan's been left with us hanging in the wind uh, by this board and not recruiting for where he wanted it we still need a goalkeeper although Hart had a cracking day at the game of day, there was still a couple of dodgy moments uh, centre half I think we're well covered now uh, we've got five players battling for two positions uh, Kobe Ashi back on the bench today uh, to join Carter Vickers, Navroke, Scales and Welsh and uh, Lager Bielka and competing for those places, I think we've got good competition there, good competition at right back no competition at left back 
midfield were well served once players are back fit. Uh, although I still feel if Hattati gets back to his best form, he's a, a natural pick in that David Turnbull position, who again was off it again today. Uh, Kyogo, just deadly up front. Uh, I think once the wingers are bedded into the team, uh, you'll see Dyson Maida drop out of the team. Uh, and compete with Kyogo for a striking position and all uh, because we're the best world in the world his final ball is absolutely woeful on that left hand side Abada again flats to deceive today I thought uh, he would absolutely destroy the Rangers new left back uh, right footed left back I thought it was ideal for him to go outside him, but he failed to do that often enough. And his delivery a couple of times was okay, but nothing special. On the whole, fantastic day all round. Hell, hell, enjoy it. So the game's gone on, and we're kind of... There's a couple of things I noticed. That the, the, first of all, the Hun fans were turning. Now, as I said at the start, I've seen them play, I don't know anything about them signing, blah, blah, blah. I'm not really a watcher of theirs, whatever. But I was like, but they've got nothing here. <laughs> I mean, they really didn't have anything. What was also noticeable was that as we started to sort of get a wee bit more better with our passing, particularly O'Reilly and McGregor, they just seemed to, I mean, McGregor's not a great start to the season by any stretch of the imagination. And I don't know if that just convinced Beal to leave my lane, but what a fucking mistake that was. Because, all right, if he's not playing well, fair enough, but if you give him space, he will. It's that simple. And we started to really push on, and, you know, Kyogo's had a couple of great chances you're expecting him to score with because he, he is an elite player. He's probably the one real elite player we have in our um, squad. And... Um, you could see the fucking bears just the fucking rage coming out of their fucking moose. Because they're, obviously they're turning up expecting to win this game and all the rest of it. And I'd say to people before it, like, you know, we have to stop them flying out the traps. We can't let them ease their confidence back up after they're going on Wednesday. Um, and to be fair, that's what we did. Um, you know, and anything that was coming at us was coming for our own basic errors and slack passes and nobody able to pass a ball for ATB and all that and um, you're kind of like you know what we're actually feeling no too bad in this we've eased our way into the game we've showed we're a better side even with the players uh, we have missing and you're kind of going to go in at half time saying alright you know everything's kind of fine but then of course Goldson he does the ball right to uh, Matt O'Reilly who I thought was great again uh, in that position and Kyogo shows why he's an elite player Strikers in Scotland and some in England and Europe would have taken that ball down, went up and tried to fucking either go round the goalie or slot it to either one of his feet, right? No Kyogo. Kyogo does the thing that always shows great football players. He plays on his instinct. And he leathers it. Butland's not got a fucking hope in hell he's saving that. Just no chance, you know? Simple as that. And, uh, of course, I've jumped up with me and my wife went, oh, has it been chopped off? I said, what? Well, oh, it's just nobody cheering. I'm like, there's no fucking fans here, you know, the tension you get when you're fucking watching these games. And uh, so it was like fucking brilliant. And the looks on their faces, you know, 
bang. Great time to score. Any time's a great time to score, obviously, but that's always a fucking great time to score. And, you know, you've gone in at half time, and I was like, I, I seen it, I hadn't watched any build up, never watched the build up these games. And fucking Lennon's there, and Nice, Nice, any Lee McCulloch, strange. Uh, McFadden, you know, he's attempts to re- uh, regenerate his hair. And Chris Boyd, and as soon as I seen him, I thought, all I've got to go on about is a fucking disallowed goal. Boyd's fucking, you know, nay professionalism, you know, and that that goes for Kenny Miller, by the way. Kenny Miller is doing commentary, and I don't know if somebody told him, because he's not the sharpest tool in the box, you're on Hun's TV the day, but he just basically sat there like a supporter, willing on them to win the game. And it's, you know, that's embarrassing, like, you know. But, you know, you're like, holy shit. And I'd say to a few folk at half time, you know, first 15 minutes are crucial here. I said, if they didn't get into this game, they've got to fucking crack up. Uh, and we can't rest on our laurels like, well, we've got to, you know, keep going. And they didn't make an inroad. And I, I do think a bit of that was tactical in terms of our shape. We were stopping the ways that they could get in about us. But they did start to get in a cu- behind a couple of times and that was worrying. But again, when you've got the players we've got out there in terms of their pecking order and all that, it has to be expected. So... When the rafty subs come on, I was like, this is it. Like, if they've got nothing off the bench, they're kind of fucked. Well, what a Sunday. Um, Celtic and Rangers at Ibrox, no fans. A poor kind of start to the season for Celtic. A poor result for Rangers midweek. It was a... It could have been a, a high-scoring... Defences all over the place, shit show, but anybody could win it. But Ibrox, no Celtic fans, could have went really either way. But then you've seen the, the lineup, the first 11. Uh, scales getting started ahead of uh, Phillips, but seemingly Phillips is no match fit. Um, You've got Turnbull, when I thought they might have chanced Bernardo or even home. Um, but it's a, it's a big ask. We are talking about playing in front of 50-odd thousand Huns. So um, I thought we had the better in the first half. Um, a few really, really poor decisions um, in general play. Played it about too much at the back. But when we did play and got the ball down, Cal McGregor found a lot of space. Uh, O'Reilly found a lot of space. Maeda was giving anybody that was near his area a torrid time. He was running about like a, a madman. Um, but we, we created a few good opportunities. Just didn't take them. And then, uh, I, I don't know, Lagerbell. It's, it's one of those when you take two touches and just turn it around to face your own goal he was asking to get the ball taken off him um, I've got to see it more times at the time I thought it was a foul then I saw the replay and I was like that can't be a foul and I still I, I don't know why VAR brought it back it, it was it looked like your man just got in front of him it's, it's, it's get your body in front of the, the guy that's got the ball and it's your ball I, I don't know uh, I think we got away with that one. Um, Hart 
was left floundering, but the ball was hit straight at him, albeit for quite close range. But if we'd went behind at that point, it would have been pretty hard on us, to be honest with you. I thought we'd, we'd done really, we'd acquitted ourselves quite well overall. Our passing was good. Maeda was making runs into channels. O'Reilly was finding space. Kyoga was giving them a torrid time in the, mid, the middle of the park. Calmac, as I say, was, was really getting good bits of space and being able to dictate a bit of the play. It was going great. And then it's on half time, nil nil, great. One ball over the top. And Kyogo, what a fucking finish. What a finish. One nil. Excellent. That's excellent. Half time. And in the second half. We gave him way too much of the ball, surrendered too much territory and just made it a, a difficult game to watch for us. But we kept going for the counter. We were playing in the counter-attack and we could have we could have punished them so many times we just we just didn't. That game could have really been two or three nil to Celtic. But equally it could have been two or three one to Rangers, because they they were parked in our half for extended periods. So Overall, going to that game, with not that much optimism, we are first 11, with not that much to them. As far as I could see, I thought we were really setting ourselves up for a fall. A great 1-0 one. A great 1-0 one. Um, so far, we've not been great over the season. Um, the first few games, we've, we've really not played very well at all. We've been quite disjointed and I don't think he really knows what he's best first 11 is, who's better in the middle of the park or in the, the centre half situation we, oh, so many of them injured it's just a nightmare for any manager, I don't think anybody's ever had that like you've got maybe four or five centre half to choose from and like four of them are injured that's ridiculous so um, we've opened up a gap we're top of the league uh, we're getting an international break and we've got a Champions League look to look forward to. So that'll do me. Hell. Two things about the day's game and, and the run-up to the day and to the day's game. How many times did you hear the phrase old firm mentioned all week on every radio station, read it and all of everywhere? It was after getting paid for the amount of time to, to use that phrase. So I shouldn't have this in a bod round about 2015, 2016. I know they brought out one statement, but they should have really Count this three is dead. The other thing I noticed is how many orange coloured tots were there in the in the hunt crowd today? Must have been a good 30-40% of them. <clears throat> they really they really have become a parody of Rangers. And the supporters have become a caricature caricature of themselves. On the performance, look I wasn't pretty. They rolled their luck at times. But it was a it was a mature performance. A team coached by a lesser manager maybe wouldn't have come out with a result like that today. Back to Middle East, do not counted. This was a lot of doubts over Joe Hart all summer, but this was Joe Hart's big game. I say this was his big game performance. The forward line, to be honest, I still haven't seen the goal. I reluctantly had to take my daughter to a birthday party. Ten minutes, ten minutes, four and a half times. So all I seen was Forrest missing chances today. I'd, I'd never seen the goal. But up front, we were pretty toothless. I want Celtic to progress and be a Champions League quality group stage team. <clears throat> Last year in the Champions League, 
making chances wasn't the problem. It was taking the chances. And it was the same story of the day. It was good to win the league game, keep a clean sheet. But we really need to prove at the top end of the pitch for these big games coming up the Champions League. First of all, uh, just starting off on a positive, I thought the makeshift defence at centre-back and full-back uh, did pretty well there. Uh, obviously, under um, a bit of pressure early on, um, but they, they seem to cope well. Obviously, you've got at uh, full-back uh, Johnson coming back from an injury and Taylor uh, off-form. Uh, going forward, that is. Uh, I think I think overall uh, they played well, in my opinion. Uh, they limited uh, the chances, and um, when they did have chances, they 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 did what was asked of them. Uh, especially when you consider that uh, the pace of that forward line uh, that I've seen uh, previously. But uh, they, they they did well, and also uh, Hart stepped up and made some good saves. Uh, uh, his his one uh, his one bad one was. Uh, uh, on the foul on Lager Bialka, so gets a pass uh, overall. Um, in midfield, Kalmak uh, stepped up and he played the captain's part, leading and directing the team, the best player on the park by a mile. We also had uh, Matt O'Reilly uh, play a great supporting role in midfield, uh, particularly in the second half, and uh, as I mentioned earlier, Taylor going forward looked more like his uh, old self at times. Kyogo what can you say? A fantastic goal. Um, always switched on and um, took that uh, took that early and uh, caught uh, caught Butland uh, uh, off his guard uh, in goals there. And bar for uh, a sliding clearance and uh, one way for the effort, uh, he could have had a hat trick today at Ebrox. Of the five subs, I think Home uh, was the one that looked the best out of all of them. Uh, did more in a short time. Uh, on the pitch than uh, the man that he replaced, uh, David Turnbull. In terms of what could have been better, obviously there was a lot of uh, mistakes in possession. Hart himself, uh, with his kickouts, uh, played us into trouble far too many times for my liking with the slack kicks up the park. Uh, you had Taylor and Scales themselves playing passes out of play and uh, certainly um, playing us into a bit of bother. Um, but... Uh, Good performance uh, overall and uh, a deserved victory. Under the VAR files, uh, at full time, uh, the Sky commentator said uh, uh, they had a controversial goal chopped off. Laughable. Uh, VAR and the ref both called it right for a change. Um, poor form from Sky, but not entirely unexpected. Uh, uh, I've kind of noticed within the big games uh, that um, the the calls seem to be, um, when referred to VAR, seem to go the right way. You've seen it in the League Cup final and the semi, uh, Scottish Cup semi-final uh, against the Huns last season. It's uh, the games like Kelly this season where uh, we seem to get very, very quick decisions and certainly not uh, in our benefit. Also, Lagerbelka, uh, um, when interviewed, said he was filled, uh, but obviously the narrative sky is, yeah, it should have stood, uh, it was a bit soft. But if penalties are given for the same thing, probably for a lot less to the Huns, then fills anywhere in the park should be done on the same basis, uh, particularly when they lead to goals like that. Uh, so there should be consistency, even if it is of the soft variety. But then again, they're used to being uh, ref to a different standard. That brings me on to the Ibrox factor. Uh, hardly any fouls given to us in the last 20 minutes. Uh, 
in their half, that is. Um, not long after coming on, O was uh, fouled, uh, uh, manhandled, shirt pulled by Suter in full view of the linesman. He, Suter even looked over, uh, expecting a flag or um, a foul to be given, but uh, as expected, nothing was coming. We did get quite a few fouls within our own half when we were breaking up play and moving forward, but uh, certainly in the danger area, um, that's where we were, uh, as usual, seeming to be... Um, not getting our uh, the calls coming our way. Overall, as I said earlier, we deserve the win. Uh, they bar us apart, I think, were at full strength. We otherwise were um, obviously um, a bit of a patchwork team, particularly in defence. Now, this will take me on to Celtic so far this season. So, um, good win to take us into the break. I think that break will give uh, Roger some time to bed in the new boys and hopefully uh, we can kick on from there. He can uh, obviously work on uh, integrating the new members of the squad. But ultimately, with regards to where we are, um, the, tra- the transfer window that's uh, recently closed, um, time will actually tell. Uh, I don't think deep down anyone believed that the, all the hype about breaking transfer records, marquee signings, etc. Um, left back and goalkeeper were two areas crying out for strengthening, and uh, those are two areas that, uh, particularly going into the last week, we heard little to nothing about. Uh, there's a lot of potential within the players, and uh, Rogers is the type of coach to tap into that and uh, get the most out of young players, uh, particularly players with little to no European experience. Uh, I think this team uh, has uh, a lot of potential and will improve over the season, but in terms of uh, particularly Europe, I think it might be next year before we see uh, the fruits of that. Uh, there's a lot of talk in the last week, uh, or last few days rather, of the window of uh, bids coming in, 10 million for O'Reilly, 7 million for Abada. If true, uh, the board would have had a tougher decision had we not banked 25 million for Jota and uh, had plenty of cash in the bank. And they definitely would have felt the wrath of the fans if they had, uh, um, even if they had uh, last minute brought in two equal or better players uh, at the end of the window, and particularly this close to um, facing the Huns at Ibrox. Uh, Bernardo loan to buy. Um, we'll be interested to see how this uh, uh, pans out. Um, if Benfica have learned anything from the Jota experience with uh, regards to the price tag on him, or if uh, he is indeed um, uh, the step up that I believe we should be making. I still think this board, being that risk averse, uh, happy to operate in the same level of market, uh, the mostly £4 million max uh, spent on players. Uh, Obviously, Jot and CCV aside with the, the higher tags uh, paid last season. Uh, but the, the board certainly need to scale up the model and uh, be a bit more like uh, Ajax and other teams that are uh, uh, spending a, a lot more of uh, what they're earning uh, to get players of a higher calibre and then ultimately performing and then selling these players on. We, we certainly, the board certainly don't seem to be capable of. Um, giving up um, uh, the tried and trusted methods that they've got. But uh, hopefully with regards to everything that's going on uh, with Rogers uh, and the so-called promises that he's making, that we will get to see uh, players of a higher calibre come in January and in place for uh, next season. Um, overall, uh, a week is a long time in politics, as they say, and certainly uh, a week is a long time in the SPFL, given that... Um, uh, booing the team off at uh, a draw at home to St. Johnson and then a week later uh, taking three points uh, away to uh, 
the Huns at Ibrox uh, when it was uh, very least expected. Uh, uh, going into break, um, uh, I'm certainly a happy boy and, uh, and more, uh, we'll look forward to s- some more better uh, football. Hail, hail. And of course, it's easy for me to see that with hindsight, saying, no, they're fucked if they're not. You know, I'm going through the same as every other person that, that loves Celtic's going through. You're kicking every ball, you're shouting for every decision, you're screaming at players for making slack passes and all that kind of thing. Because it means so much, and it's been mentioned in this pod elsewhere as well. As we get closer, I'm thinking, this is a fucking massive psychological blow to them. Like, because... You know, we all focus on our own club and we all focus on what's the good and the bad, the ugly at Celtic and all that. But they are in shit street right now. You know, they've had this nonsensical media campaign to make it look like they were really close to winning the league last season. They weren't. Eh? They've then spent a fortune in the fucking summer and they've been pumped out the fucking Champions League and they've already lost two games. That's, that's no great. Um, and you could see... You know, we all get these fucking screenshots of follow, follow, and all these half wits raging about Beal. You know, absolutely raging. And you wonder, as I say, I didn't watch a lot of them, but I just wonder if Beal's got the capability to change a game in their favour. Like, you know, because it's easy to fucking say, oh, well, just do this and do that, but it's to put any effects a different ball game, and that just never happened. And the longer the game went on, I was like, I don't think they've got to score. That's in my head. I would never say that, you know, in public. Because my wife actually said, I bet there's about nine minutes injury time. And when it came up seven, I said, oh, you're fucking happy now. Tempting fate. That's just me. I'm a fucking crabbit bastard when the game's going on, basically. But we were hitting them on the break. We made a lot of stupid sort of decisions that should have just ended the game. And made it a lot more comfortable. They got in behind us a couple of times for the end, but they didn't look like they had the kind of presence of mind to actually execute um, chances. You know, you look at the, the big FIFA boy that come on, what was his name, Franz Klammer or something, and uh, obviously fucking TikTok Campwell, who takes a great touch and then just passes it back into Joe Hart's hands. And the thing about Joe Hart is, uh, you know, I thought he was terrible for the goal that they got chopped off. I thought, you know, he should save that. But other than that, he was really good. He didn't have to be great, but he was good at what he did. And the final whistle goes, and you're fucking like that. And what I actually did was take the dog for a walk, just to decompress, because, you know, I'm not getting any younger, and I'm fucking having a heart attack every 10 seconds, like, during these games. So, and the first thing I've noticed today is roasting, you know? Um, but just to wait out and, you know, you're collecting your thoughts and all that kind of thing, and I'm like, okay, season starts here now, you know, but the main thing I take for it is the massive blow that we've handed them, because you're up against it big time now. Referee watch. Aye, old Don Robertson, I think Chris mentioned it, once he... Chopped off their goal, we were never going to get anything from him. You know, some of the fucking decisions and fouls he was giving him were beyond belief, like, you know. But um, I suppose you have to give him kudos for having the cojones to stick with the decision that basically the VRs tell him. Um, and really, it wasn't really a dirty game. Um, he didn't interrupt the flow, which is always good. And he probably will not get many easier games after that. 
Um, I thought actually the linesman on the Kenny um, main stand Copeland Road end side was very good and strong when he's off sides and that helped the referee a lot. So no really to talk about. I'm sure the Huns are livid with him, but ultimately he got the, 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 the big calls right almost. And you, Aver. So I guess analysing, you know, this like summer and uh, first few games, it'd be easy to go. Oh well, we've won at Ibrox. Everything's fine. I think the reality is a wee bit different. Um, uh, the recruitment has raised a lot of questions. And, you know, you see the day that we've basically only got one person signed in the team. And you kind of wonder if he would even be in the team if Carter Vickers was fit. So that, that that's a concern. Um, it looks as though we've kind of shifted recruitment policy back to the the filthy hands of the whole family, basically, which is which is worrying. Um, you know, I'm I'm very much old school. I know the young team are all like, oh no, that's how it works now. I like a football manager to have the final say. That's just me. Um, and so it has sort of beggared belief that we went off summer and didn't sign a goalkeeper or a left back, which I think if you ask most supporters would be their priority positions to strengthen. Um, I can kind of see why they've no strength brought another centre forward down because I think Maeda is going to move there um, and Big O was back a bit earlier which was good um, and I would say Hitati will definitely strengthen in midfield other guys I'm completely unsure about um, obviously some I've not seen play other ones I'm flattered to deceive a wee bit um, so it's kind of Okay, if you're one of the people who are like, oh, well, we beat the Huns and everything's great, fine. If you're a bit more open-minded, you're thinking Champions League, we need to try and compete this year because we nearly never last year. We haven't really for a while. You know, we, we talked about when Ange Postecoglou left, about making a mark in Europe. And uh, so it was kind of a wee bit concerning when they broke Brendan Rodgers in because he doesn't really have that. I mean, I know he got to the same final with Leicester, but with Celtic, no. So it's it's one for them where it's like, are we just going to accept getting battered again in the Champions League or are we actually going to try and do something? I mean, the squad is very top-heavy now. You know, we, there was a lot of players that we should have got ready and for whatever reason are still there. And that is concerning because apart from anything else, you're paying their wages and whatever, then you didn't want play so many players around the club that are never going to get a game because that can kind of sow the seeds of doubt sometime. Um In terms of Brendan Rodgers, I'd like to see a bit more vitality for him, a bit more dynamism and energy and passion, you know. He's not really been the guy that he was the first time around. I mean, we've seen signs yet today when we scored the goal and all that kind of thing, and that's fantastic, that's what we want to see, you know, because Brendan Rodgers, whatever you think of him, he's one of us, right, and it's now doing to him, he's got a couple of weeks and we played Dundee at home, start imprinting his style on the players, and I don't know on the club, I know a lot of guys will be away international and all that kind of stuff, but the games will come thick and fast after that, and uh, 
My concern is that we're still very light in some positions. I mean, you know, you look at Greg Taylor, he's not been playing well for such a long time. Benabi, for me, doesn't cut it. Um, scales, you know, did well in patches today, but still making errors, and he's not the answer. Um, and obviously, Joe Hart, at the very least, needs somebody pushing him for the number one spot because he must have the fucking most secure spot in world football now, given you know the competition that he's got. So it's that. It's also about strategy for me. You know, what is our strategy? Is it just to keep buying projects and all that? I know we've got different types of players under range. Because is that ever going to make an impression in Europe, you know? And by an impression, I mean actually competing and qualifying beyond, you know, the, the, the group stages of whatever competition it is. Because, you know, we're never going to buy our way to success in European football. I mean, that's just never going to fucking happen. Um... So why is there no mere emphasis on our youth in the academy? I'm not happy with the academy. We lose far too many good players. We've had far too many of the same people here for so long. And I don't really see it being fit for purpose. And you didn't have to take my word for it. Gordon Strachan said the same two years ago, told them what he changed and they changed nothing. So I'm not really sure what that is all about. Um, and for me as well, it's also about being a big club. We've got to start thinking about being a big club because we are not thinking about being a big club. What we're thinking about right now is big salaries and big bonuses and knee improvement in terms of the stadium, in terms of the hotel we're promised, the museum we were promised, the fucking disgrace that Lennoxton is, which if you didn't know how bad it is, I would just say to you, is go and you know, take a run up there and see how bad it is. Even the road getting up there. These things need to be changed. The stadium's not been improved bar disco lights, which were a UEFA directive, and since it was built, really. And that, that kind of thing has changed. You know, we've heard for years and years, oh, the season ticket waiting list, and it's a, well, fucking go for it, man. Build a stand that can accommodate people. You know, Michael Nicholson said at a meeting that it would cost 100 million, right? And I was a bit like, uh, what? Because... Hibs built the stand, the last stand that they have opposite the cameras, for three million quid. Now I know that was about fifteen years ago, or whatever. But has it really increased ninety seven million in that time? Uh, I don't know. I think that was a number put out to stop progress. And ultimately, there always has to be. Pro- you know, you've always got to be. You watch these documentaries, Newcastle, Burnley, you know, Man City, Arsenal, that kind of thing, and they have constant people striving to make the club bigger and better every day. We have constant people who are striving to make the fan experience better every day. By doing things that didn't cost money, they just put the fans, you know, at the forefront rather than the directors, you know? And that has to be, that's where the change has to be. Instead of the self-preservation society we have at Celtic, we need people in there that can actually think about the fans and the experience because ultimately it's the fans that provide the most money, the fans that provide the lifeblood and the fans who are the football club. So that's where Celtic's priorities need to be and no just about jobs for the boys and let's bring in my son to do this and this and all that nonsense because ultimately that's how we slept walking to losing 10 in a row. We need to modernise and we need to get bigger and better.
So as we go into this international break, we're currently four points clear of them in second place um, out of the cup and in the Champions League groups stages with Feyenoord, Atletico, Madrid and Lazio. So it's a hard one to equate into if you're looking at it. Obviously we had qualification direct, so that was a given um, at the start of the season. Going out the Cups, definitely, definitely not what you'd expected. Um, the manner in which we did, my fuck no. Thrown into the league performance against St Johnson there, um, which put a bit of pressure going into the game at Castle Grayskull. But it's hard to know where we're sitting, four points ahead domestically in the league. Can he be argued with despite the performances? But it's paper near the cracks for me. It's um, We've got players in, we've signed players, we've, we've reacted to players leaving. Like, I mean, Alright, we had to do something and like Big Star felt decided he was gonna go, but then he just go and bring Lager Wilker and put him straight into the team and I think we're downgrading, aren't we? You to look at about the margins and the money that we spent compared to I mean we got that and Joe alone coming in and then you've got Starfield and a few others and what have you coming in to so we didn't really spend in as usual we fucking tightened the purse strings, which has been reflected in the performances this season and going at the cup. Uh, going forward though <laughs> We shouldn't. We've got a, a couple of difficult games. Obviously, the supercomputer that's the random fixture giver at the start of the seasons managed to give us a few difficult away games uh, in the first few months of the season. Uh, so, Tynecastle and Easter Road to come in the near future, and if we're sitting after that, still we a four-point lead. And, um, I don't want to say too much you know, League's only one at this stage of the season But it'd be very difficult to fuck it up For there, I, I would imagine And if we did um, It wouldn't be quick to turn on Rodgers And I think he got out a bit A jail today as well Because if, if he's coming up Against anybody that's a bit of Clout about them He's going to go and, and see where our weaknesses are And bombard them And whatever And Bill didn't really do that it was just he stuck to his own game plan which was boil the tap and um, try and get in behind us rather than target the, the problematic positions which we all know are we were left back my day and Jesus fuck again it was it was heart and mouth moments um, quite a lot of it and, 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 and that was the day but going forward Champions League, I, I would expect us to put up a good fight. Anyway, fixtures have been kind to us. Try and get through the group stage. If no, see where that takes us. Uh, just settle down a wee bit. And I, I think we can only really go between now and January, can't we? It's time to reevaluate 100% then, no matter where we are and whatever else. It's, we still need to look at it and the things that have went wrong up to this point and, and address these things. But uh, going forward, International break in September, top of the league, four points, I'll take that. The clock was ticking. Um, I'd actually been over in um, Belfast for the Easter uh, celebrations. We'd beaten Dundee 5-0 at Celtic Park and um, I'd went. I'd left the game early to go over to Glasgow Airport to meet my mate and, and fly over to Belfast and I actually saw Fergus McCann at the airport. Um and then uh, on the Sunday, 
Uh, the Huns lost at St Johnston, 3-1, and we'd been in this uh, 10-point gap for a while that we were kind of on a knife edge, we know, and that any time, we, if we dropped anything, it was over, but we kept, we'd been winning and doing well, and, um, yeah, that offered a great bit of hope, and this was kind of before um, mobile phone technology and all that, so there was whispers going around the Felons Club that day, Johnson have beat the Huns and I oh fucking hell here we go seven points and that kind of thing but then of course in typical Celtic fashion at the time we went to St Johnson a couple of weeks later and got beat and suddenly it was um, yeah the realisation that they could come to Celtic Park and win the league and I just specifically remember Ian King who's worked for every newspaper obviously being what he is just revelling in the fact that um, that they could win the league um, so it was kind of onwards to Celtic Park and it was uh, as mentioned throughout the pod uh, a five past six kickoff, which did mean drinking all day yep definitely um, it was quite a pleasant balmy day and it was all so um, crystallised by the fact that it was a Monday holiday the next game day Um it was a Tuesday holiday for me. I was unemployed at the time. But, um, yeah, so, kind of like, you know, Celtic fans, especially in the 90s, always had this thing about these things will not happen to us because we're better people, which is, of course, a lot of push. You know, you have to earn everything in football and we have to earn it double given what we're up against. Um, but when you seen the team come down and you seen the likes of Scott Marshall playing, you thought, fuck, here we go. Um, Colin Healy, people like that. So there wasn't a lot of optimism that was the alcohol fueled, quite frankly. Well, now, isn't it? Twenty-four years, um, different life. I was living then, different partner in in life, different house. <laughs> a lifetime ago, um, I watched the match at home on Sky Sports on my sofa. Um, when we stopped the 10 a year previously you know which was massive and thank god we did um, but I don't think any of us expected us to lose the late Vim Janssen um, so quickly after stopping the 10 Vim was gone um, so we were not quite back to square one but it was disarray seemed to be seemed to be looming large again and, and the Huns were back and they were about to win the league or hope they're hoping to win the league at Celtic Park but God we couldn't have foreseen the circumstances on the day itself um, again as I said before on this pod uh, as a, an Irish based Celtic fan information you know regarding Hugh Dallas and Scottish referees in general would have been scant um, watching from our vantage points I certainly wouldn't have been up to speed on 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 the origin or leanings of, of Scottish referees um, but obviously of all that's happened since then and as the internet took hold and you get a feel for for referees and Paul's brilliant uh, brilliant documentary anyone but Celtic um, was certainly an eye opener for me on, on how Scottish refereeing works and you know hindsight's a great thing but when you look back now on Hugh Dallas's performance uh, that day um you can't but be um, a tad suspicious 
of agendas in Scottish referee, to say the least. Um, let's deal with Stefan Mahe's two yellow cards first. Um, I'm not sure if there's ever been a match in history, another match in history, where a player who got fouled twice ended up getting two yellow cards. I mean, that's it in a nutshell, isn't it? Um, I mean, yeah, OK, Stefan was clearly wound up. It was a big day. It, it was, you know, as it was then, an old firm derby. Um, stakes were massive. Rangers were hoping to win to take the league. So players were wound up. Um, and Mahe, for his first yellow card, gets felled by, I think it was uh, Wallace. And Mahe reacts, not in the worst way I've ever seen, regarding... You know, descent to a referee. He was, he was, I say, he was on edge, and all Dallas had to do there, in a game of such importance, was to, to, to put him to one side and say, "Calm the fuck down." Next time you react like that, it's a yellow. Um, but no, Dallas couldn't wait to get the fucking yellow card out for the first first yellow card. So, so early on, Stephen Mahe's walking on eggshells, and um, the guy was wound up, as I say, and and then his second yellow card. Um, with Celtic a goal down from the early McCann goal the second yellow card McCann fouls Mahe as, as we, as this is YouTube again I've had to dive into YouTube to to kind of familiarise myself with, with the highlights of the game uh, such as they were um, but yeah the second yellow Mahe gets fouled by McCann nasty enough little foul um, Mahe again gets up reacts but again not in the most violent way or or no, I've I've seen far worse abuse of a referee go unpunished. Um, but Mahe has fell the second time, reacts, and again Dallas can't wait to get the second yellow card out. It's just laughable, um, how quickly, how quickly Dallas got the second yellow, and then of course poor El Mahe has completely lost his head, um, and had to be physically restrained from from a deck in Dallas, which probably would have prevented Dallas getting fucking hit by the the object then later on um, we get to that now in a second so yeah 1-0 down down to 10 men the writing's on the wall already isn't it um, and then and put, then the Huns get the free kick in the corner that leads to the, the second goal um, and as Paul has Paul has mentioned this before in a previous pod Dallas goes over to Van Bronckhorst and, and taps him on the backside. and now a referee in a match like that you, you don't, you just don't um, give any indications. You shouldn't be making gestures like that uh, with uh, with either team, with any team. Um, but especially not in a, a cauldron and a, a, an explosive atmosphere such as it was. I mean, the, the fans were on, on edge as, as already um, with the sending off of May. And then he gives a free kick in the corner and then goes over to Van Bronckhorst and say off you go lads I'm with you here you know um, you've got your free kick and but to tap anyone on the backside, I mean it's just it's not on uh, least of all tapping a fucking horn in Celtic Park like that anyway I digress um, then it all kicks off there's a fan on the pitch he's taken off the commentators uh, are already are already, you know, bemoaning the toxic atmosphere, and then the object comes down and hits Dallas square in the head. Um, and at the time, you're thinking this is disgraceful, um, and which it is. Uh, you know, no, 
you shouldn't be throwing things onto a pitch. Um, but such such was Celtic fans' uh, anger, frustration. Um, it had at that, that stage, at that stage, Dallas had lost control of the game, which spread to the stands. And he gets hit, hit on the head. And you just know, after he dusts himself down and the blood is wiped away, you just know something else is going to happen. It's, he's going to just give something against Celtic. And the free kick comes over and Vidmar does his fucking dying swan act. Um, and Dallas points to the penalty spot. Incredible. I mean... 99 times out of 100 referees are ignoring that and you look back at the replay and Vidmar has completely fucking hoodwinked uh, Dallas there but Dallas as I said is he's just again can't wait to take out his fucking bigoted frustration on Celtic and he gives a peno and Alberts rolls it in 2-0 it's, it's game over it's league fucking league won by the Huns um, and curiously enough I was watching the YouTube podcast there on BBC and Archie McPherson was commentating and after I think it was Mahe's first yellow McPherson referred to uh, Dallas's unfailing honesty words to that effect but he was absolutely implicit Archie was that Hugh Dallas was a fair official mind boggling mind boggling um, nothing much to add really thereafter regarding the game itself um, McCann scores a tour goal and blah blah what difference does that make um, and then of course we had the the supporter Alex Rafferty um, jumping off the stand in Celtic Park and getting stretched out defiantly shaking his fists a little story about Rafferty when I was um, when I was over in Glasgow in 2014 for the Scotland versus Ireland Euro 2016 qualifier at Celtic Park um, it still irks me to this day that I didn't celebrate a home goal in, in Celtic Park when Sean Maloney curled the ball into the far corner um, to give Scotland the 1-0 win but look it was a great great trip great couple of days great couple of nights but the night of the game when after the game went into town obviously to drown our sorrows and go on the beer and at that stage it had two nights of it um, two nights of it so the, it was late enough anyway and into the into the night of the match um, I decided myself I was I was fairly drunk but very very tired exhausted actually um, I was just to myself I'm had enough and going back to my hotel um, which was down in George Square um, so I came out of the pub and I wasn't really sure where the fuck I was a combination of drink and, and tiredness and uh, this guy walks over to me uh, you alright there you alright fella and um, so I got chatting to him and he said he's a Celtic fan and bloody blah, blah and I was on my own my mates were still inside and I didn't care to say I just wanted to go back to the hotel and crash um, so we got chatting and and um, 
yeah, he's, he says, ah, I'm a Celtic. He was, I was telling him, yeah, I'm a Celtic fan and blah, blah. And he's, I'm a Celtic fan. And he starts to tell me he his name and uh, that he plunged off the stand. He was the one who plunged off the stand at the, the 1999 game. And I'm kind of looking at him, yeah, yeah, okay, mate, whatever. And I think he knew that I wasn't really believing him. And he just says, listen, mate, you Google me, bike. You Google me, Alex Rafferty, he says, he gives me his name, sorry for the shit Scottish accent, by the way. Um, Alex Rafferty, he says, Google me, so I, anyway, he kind of, and I, he starts walking with me, and I'm kind of feeling a bit uneasy. Um, he says, I'll show you back to your hotel, I, I, know, I can't remember the name of the hotel, it was on George Square, and Alex says, come on, I'll, I'll, I'll escort you to your hotel, and blah, blah, and, you know, and I, I'm feeling, I'm sobering up fairly quickly, because um, I don't want to, tiring anyone with a, an unfair brush but I'm, I'm kind of saying Jesus is this guy going to pull a knife on me <laughs> or going to jump me or whatever um, I said no no this guy from Adam obviously um, he's telling me who he is and he says he's a Celtic fan and that's fair enough and he probably is but I was kind of a little bit as I say a bit uneasy walking back um, but in fairness it was about a 20 minute walk I'd say from where I was to back to George Square once I got to George Square I knew where I was and I was chatting there with Alex and uh, yeah and he, he saw me back fair enough to, to George Square, which I was very grateful for. And um, I was, but I was still a bit, Jesus, uh, I don't want to get too close to this guy in case he fucking, as I say, uh, wants to fucking relieve me of what money I have left. And um, but no, in fairness, he didn't. Of course, he didn't. Um, uh, and I thanked him profusely, gave him a hug, and and uh, that was that. And I googled him then when I was sober the next morning, and sure enough, I did recognise his face. Uh, as the man who'd walked me back to George Square. so And then I'm just reading there, when I Googled him there just earlier, and uh, I'm just since reading that he's he's in jail for uh, for a triple triple rape. You're kind of going, fucking hell. It's, uh, that was, my, my blood ran cold that this this guy had done this to, to three women, my God. Um, so yeah, so that was my little post, post-match tale. Uh, we went from Hugh Dallas to Alex Rafferty being jailed. My God, there's a journey. But look, at yeah, a terrible day. You read at Celtic Park and, as I say, and what we learned afterwards about Hugh Dallas, um, those decisions kind of made sense, didn't they? Um, and his son hasn't licked it off a fucking stone either. So look, at that's that's my lot on this. I uh, hope you're well, folks. Um, keep supporting the cause, supporting the Celtic and especially the Still Out of Tim's group. It's a... Uh, a tight group, folks, and uh, I look forward to hopefully meeting some or all of you later in the year when I'm back over in Glasgow. OK, folks, hail, hail. Take care. The game itself was a disaster, but it should not take away from the fact that we should have been goals up before anything happened. We'd torn them apart two or three times. Um, shots flying past the post and things like that, and it was like, you know... It's good to start, but then of course you know the the blue touch paper was lit literally by Dallas. He's handling his stuff and Mahi with the fouls he got given against them. Subsequent yellow cards, um, them then scoring, and of course the red card for a horrific tackle by that little scrot fucking Neil McCann, um, who should have been red carded instantly, but instead our player gets a second yellow and a red card. And of course, they're kind of in triumphant mode. And then, of course, uh, what then happens will be remembered forever. Um, the Huns are asking, 
they get a free kick or a corner, they're not quite sure. Dallas goes over to reassure Giovanni Van Bronckhurst and then taps him on the behind, which was just mind-blowing. Now, I'm at that corner. I'm right in the back row of it, but I'm at that corner and I see this all unfold and people are losing their fucking minds at this point. You know, the, it's the kind of incredulous looks on people like, what the fuck is he doing? And then, of course, the corner comes in and he just invents a penalty. To which, if you watch the footage back, Paul Lambert immediately says to him, you've done that because of the coin. And Dallas just sneeringly dismisses him as he's, as he's want, with his arrogance, and they score. And by that point, that is... People have lost the plot completely, you know, and, you know, you can't condone the things with the coin throwing, etc. But I saw people around me, normally placid, normal folk going fucking bananas um, because of what was unfolding in front of their eyes. Um, and the shit show that he basically started. Um, and there was there was other factors. Look, we had just won the league in 98, the first time in 10 years and, you know, they were losing it within a year, and that's frustrating. It's horrible. It's, you feel angry and all that kind of stuff. And there was several attempts at a pitch invasion all around the place. The Huns, of course, are milking it for everything that's they're worth. Um, and it really, you know, you just felt so angry, you know, just so angry and frustrated. And the game plays out, you know, a couple of other guys get sent off Reseth and Wallace, they score a third goal. Um, and then, of course, they, they they mock the huddle, which they knew what they were going to do. Alan McCoist was at the game in the Huns end, he knew, he'd said it after it, he knew they were going to do that. You know, it was typically them. You know, even in um, victory, they're horrible, horrible bastards. And But the, that was... What, what really annoyed me, though, after it was the let's all fucking rally around Hugh Dallas thing. Hello. When I think back to that game in May 99 at Celtic Park, eh, that Dallas just obviously threw them in the league, um, I watched that game in the house just about 17 year old and I'd actually, I'd, I'd got the Sky TV and the, the house for my mum and dad just started working the year before and everything else. So that was the first game, so I, I kind of had dibs on the telly, to be honest, which was obviously when the celly was on, that, that's what we watched. Uh, but we, I watched the game with my mum and my dad. I think my uncle Jim was there. And what I remember is fucking before any of the major instances really was been raging about how fucking they were getting away with kicking mahi oil the part and everything that was going with that and you could see them getting wound up and they put all the fucking usual excuses on it afterwards about pish my I mean garlic temperament getting mentioned and all that and everything else totally totally oblivious well not even oblivious because they've seen it all but t- just totally fucking disregarding everything that had been on before he got actually sent off which was just a fucking remarkable decision standing alone itself um, and, and and the penalty as well when, when that after he got hit with the coin like I say I, I watched it in with my my uncle Jim my mum and my dad and they were all huns uh, and my uncle I always remember my uncle even saying that was never a penalty at the time and that you just like 
that that's that that summed the man up. I mean, he was always going to give that for them, and and back then I didn't realise. It was only when I started with uh, listening to Paul and the homeboys, really, that my eyes were opened to everything else that went on behind the scenes with Dallas as an individual. And what a fucking bastard an individual, I think we all can agree on anyway. Um, so, aye, I mean, like, growing up in Tory Glen, there was Davy Syme, so a well-known Masonic bastard, and but a local celebrity doing the 20 Club for any of you that know the, the back end or other Glen. So the Masonic thing was there. He had the inkling about the referees, but as a 17-year-old, apart from that, it wasn't as prevalent as having all the, the information that Paul mainly has provided about Dallas and the, the aftermath and the preceding years to that. So the game itself, everybody knew what was at stake with it. They won the league. They won, they, sorry, we didn't win on the day. They, they won the league, if memory serves correct. And as we, we came out the traps and gone for it and... Obviously, if you want to remember, we were we were edgy and everything else, but we sh- we should have been in front. I think I can't even remember any specifics, but I think we were the, the better team up until it all went tits up when they had scored, and then Mahi got sent off around about the half hour mark, and obviously Dallas was phantom penalty and the fucking coin incident, which uh, you never want to see anybody. Like, any acts of violence on a football park but when you think back it's the one that you'd probably say do you know what you're a fucking wanker you actually deserved that you deserved that you orange fucking masonic bastard um, so I on the day they did what they did the day got worse for us all with fucking six o'clock kick-offs at night as well I mean that was that was a, a fucking toxic time wasn't it uh, they, they were pumped as free now and they end up they done their, their huddle they they done what they did they fucking rubbed it in our faces and as usual we were to fucking blame big reset I think it's sent half and on can't even mind mind what the fuck for but uh, I hope it was for dinking one of the fucking orange bastards uh, I, I'm just a wee bit better as you can tell and Shuggy Dallas, I hope you're out in hell, you dirty orange bastard when you go. I wonder if Davy there in his living room that day ever thought that uh, 15, 16 year, years later he'd be playing Hugh Dallas in a film. Hi, the Hugh Dallas League game, Celtic Park, May 1999. Infamous game, obviously. Cheating at the highest level. Uh, but before I go into that, I, as I usually do with these uh, questions, Paul, I kind of like to have a recap mentally, uh, just to the, the whole season. And uh, the usual, we were off the back, obviously, stopping them winning a 10. And obviously, always, as always, I start every campaign very optimistic. Uh, and if I remember right, we did with a good start. I think we hammered somebody in the opening game, and they had, they lost away at Tynecastle opening game. So you get your hopes up, but I remember then we we kind of had a run of bad results. But uh, I remember going to Ibrox, and I was Lionel Short Bonnie was in nets for them, and I remember 
it's a cracking game and nothing each but Celtic dominated it if I remember right I remember like, it must have been the last kick of the ball the ball came to Tosh McKinley in the kind of corner of the 18 yard box up the Broomland Road end and he unleashed this thing with his left back just thought ready to erupt and how Charbonne saved it I'll never know cracking save uh, but our results against the Huns that season were remarkably decent uh, up till till that game um, obviously in a week there at Highbrooks and obviously the 5-1 when Lobo had come into the scene and the New Year game another cracking game where we could have easily won uh, kind of two and fro match uh, there was some big highs and lows that season like even though as I say we had that bad spell kind of between I'd say kind of late August to October for drawing and getting good but we seem to come back into it for some reason um, like that spell kind of spring 1999 I remember going to Fur Park and Andy Gorham game uh, when he was in Nets and uh, that Tam Cowan I thought like he'd a newspaper call on his radio chat obviously a supposed Motherwell fan and he'd come out with saying he would, he would eat one of his testicles of Larson scored against Motherwell that day and he's like saying I think Larson I think it was a hard trick he got uh, so aye 7-0 that was a cracking night at Fur Park so aye as I say we'd kind of for some reason we kept in our coattails going into spring that season and the Huns lost remember they lost at Hamilton and it was the usual frustration they lost at Hamilton and United we went to Kelly on the Sunday night and we could only draw nothing each and I think McCoyce and Duran and Go were playing it was a totally frustrating night but I think the Huns lost again away to St Johnson and then they drew with Indy at Dens Park so all of a sudden we're in I think we're, the next stage we were only like four points behind I don't know if they possibly still had a game in hand but I think it was only down to four points and we were playing St Johnson at McDermott Park and the Saturday and they were playing at Sunday so we had the chance to get it down at a point so we got up there like you know actually getting excited for the kind of running and as I say the usual frustrations with Celtic back then we lost 1-0 and that was it it was this the season was done but aye the game the the huge Dallas game I remember I was night shift at Glasgow Airport the night before that game Uh, so obviously staying in air my sister was staying in Glasgow still does obviously and uh, staying at St George's Cross at the time so I remember uh, crashing at hers after the night shift thinking right I'll, I'll go out of bed at 2 o'clock head out the Gallagher meet some pals and stuff and you know the game was a 5 past 6 kick off uh, so that didn't transpire because couldn't sleep like usual you couldn't sleep and clock watching going to about half 11 oh, fuck it out of bed uh, been, in fact I didn't even have a mobile when I think I phoned one of the boys to to meet up so we met this thing we met about one half one in the Gallagate even then it was was pretty pretty busy but going to about three o'clock and the place was absolutely rammed every pub and that was the day she flew beards the whole shebang of pubs there uh, so the drink was flowing as you do she had walked up to the game like just it was a bank holiday Monday the next day and uh, aye, the game itself I was pretty steaming at the game uh, was that, I remember Mar- that guy Marshall Gordon Marshall's brother playing just think he'd a stinker if I remember and just we were never going we're never going to win that game but 
Mahi obviously gets sent half and again the mood they just turned poisonous then and uh, obviously Hugh Dallas incident then he blatantly cheated to give the penalty just as a you know get it up you tell us uh, it was a a horrible horrible night uh, and uh, I know for some reason I went back you know like crazy I wouldn't never do it now but especially knowing they'd all be celebrating but I went back in with one of the boys in uh, the city centre just to go for to go for a bevy and it was a pub called Fields it was up Renfield Street and uh, not the stairs to it. it was that was only like there was no downs it was like an up the stairs pub and remember they had the pictures of like, hunger strikers up and that and you know I'm thinking this in the heart of the city centre it was some move but uh, I don't think it lasted long in the pub but we were in there but I just I remember like all the, the horns peeping and fucking Rangers flags and Union Jacks with car windows and that and just thinking, right, so we went on a mad one. I remember absolutely steaming that night. Uh, but I, that was the, that match for you. And I, I know we went on to lose the cup final. And again, the SFA, I think as I get it up here, they, they put Hugh Dallas in charge of the cup final. And there was a, whether it was, I know, I remember V Cost, they were 1 0 down. The, the die members of the match, I remember V Cost. Like about 20 yards out let fly with a screamer and it was like arrow shot and looked as if he was going into the top corner and it just seemed to hit a hand and just turned and it seemed to hit his arm but needless to say the, the claim get waved away uh, but I always that uh, was another thing with the, the Dallas game it was always this it's like the nanny state of the, the SFA where like oh no we can never have a never have a league decider like that was it they do all costs they try to avoid a league decider it's as if like a fan, a fan, if a fan is in the mindset that he's going to lose the plot, getting beat half Rangers or getting beat half Celtic, like, do they think, do they honestly think fans turn up then at a cup final and think, oh, sorry, it's only the cup, it doesn't matter, like, we'll just get home calmly. It's just, it's, it's nonsense, absolute nonsense. Uh, but, yeah, uh, the 98-99 season as a whole, wasn't it actually the worst supporting Celtic, but, so some up and down moments and uh, and that match was a sickener, mate. Okay, Paul, cheers. Despite the cheating and Boydy greeting, despite John beating the raging hum. Five-way agreement, EBT scheming. We still won, we still won, we still won. The 1998-99 season for Celtic was a bit of a funny one. Um, it all started in the summer because we obviously stopped at 10, but then we lost Vim Janssen. And it took forever to do anything that season. Um, and it was just a mess trying to get started. We had but Joe Vengo's come in eventually. Um, but it disrupted things quite badly. The bonus row with the qualification for the Champions League didn't help matters. And so it meant that the start of that season was just a mess. Um, I mean, I think we only won a couple of games out of the first 
sort of half a dozen or so. We, we lost more than we won. We drew too many games, and it just set us up for a chase the entire season. Um, so by the time we hosted Rangers at Celtic Park in November, we were already looking at kind of well, has this season run away for us too much, or can we drag ourselves back into it? And there was all the laughable comments about bringing in who, who's this guy, Lubomir Maravchik, or however you say his name, and why are we bringing in an old guy? Why didn't you bring in John Spencer? All that kind of nonsense for Hugh Evans. Um, but obviously, Lubo was a revelation. Um, I would thumped uh, Rangers and Celtic Park 5 1. And that kind of got us back into it because I, I know we lost a few weeks later at Hearts, but other than that, we went on a really decent run and it kind of got us into it. The problem was that Rangers kind of didn't really drop anything. We drew at Ibrox at New Year. Um, and the real kicker came in April because Rangers had lost at St. Johnson at the start of April and then we lost there towards the end of April and that set Rangers up because that meant they were seven points clear four games to go the next game was at Celtic Park and they knew that if they win that game they're ten clear with three games left so they'd win the league um, and that was the problem so uh, although we'd, we'd kind of got ourselves going we knew that there was a good potential we were going to lose that game because we were we were struggling with the squad at that point we had a lot of injuries like Scott Marshall played in this game. Colin Healy made his debut. Um, we just we, we just weren't at full strength, and they were. Um, so it was a kind of just a bad day at the office. Ultimately, uh, we were on it hiding and on for the get go, and then of course this was in the days that Sky Sports were uh, in control of the Tele Times and were putting us on at five past six at night. Uh, now five past six at night on a Saturday. Or a Sunday, it means you've been drinking all day. Uh, there's a lot of drunk people in the stadium, and drunk people are less likely to control themselves. Uh, th- there's no defending some of the things that happened in this. There was, there was a lot of people running onto the pitch. Uh, I'll come on to the main one, which was obviously the photos um, later. But our, our behaviour that day wasn't great. I know there's I know there's understandable given what was at stake. Um, Rangers had never won the league at Celtic Park before. We'd obviously done it back in '67 and won at Ibrox, um, but this was their first ever chance to do it, so that didn't help matters. So, and then, then of course the other problem we had was that we had Hugh Dallas, attention seeker extraordinaire, in charge of this game, um, and it was like that from the get go. Like so, the the, the Stephen Mahe things, the obvious one. That's like he got booked for getting involved. And I felt there was nothing to do with him. Kind of hard to argue that decision. Don't know why Mahe was getting involved, but Dallas was quick enough to flash his cards anyway. We probably should have calmed Mahe down. I think from a captain perspective, we were lacking there. Because he never calmed down. And when it was clear that he wasn't calmed down, we should have got him off the park. We didn't. And then Neil McCann goes through him. And Neil McCann gets booked for this fell because it's a delicious fell. Um, but Mahi loses the plot again. I don't think the second yellow card was merited. I think he could have got away with just telling him off because it's understandable he's just been whacked up in the air and if the referee had any common sense about him, he would just have talked him down. But Udalas isn't that kind of referee, unfortunately. And and that oh, we're already one goal down by that point. 
we're now one goal and a man down and an attention seeking referee is going to get his attention he desires um, to the point that somebody very accurately chucked a coin at him there are missiles get thrown at lots of games I've been hit by missiles at Celtic Rangers games in the past um, I got hit by a a 10 pence piece once and picked it up in my pocket and we won the next two games it was kind of lucky charm um, but in this case like blood was drawing those images went around the world the very next thing Hugh Dallas does is gets up lets them take the free kick and he gives a penalty for nothing because Tony Vidmar fell over I kind of forgive Hugh Dallas for that one he's only human he's just been hit by a coin from the Celtic fans and the next thing he does is screw Celtic over he should be more professional but I can understand that can't understand the rest of his behaviour during that game but I can understand that particular one they go 2-0 up it's game over um, we were just on the height and nothing by that point they did get a third one Rod Walsh gets sent off later on for I think Vidar Reset Vidar think gets sent off himself for siding somebody down it was not a well refereed game uh, in general uh, so I think you Dallas is taking a hold his hands up and how he played his part in that one um, but our behaviour could have been a lot, lot better from a fan perspective and I'm not surprised that they don't get 5 past 6 kickoffs much now anymore because of that um, I think the the other thing we got from this was the SPL where the SPFL have since decided we will never ever have title deciders if they can avoid it which uh, is just self-harm, in my opinion. You change the kick-off time of this, and most of the problems go away. Um, you change the referee, make them better, and most of the problems go away. You shouldn't be self-harming and removing one of the most marketable things you've got from your league. We should be able to have title deciders. We should be actively seeking them out, given the way we have a SPL, SPFL splat in the Premiership. Um, that gives you the opportunity to do it but we've seen time and again you don't do it the irony is we've had it twice since um, Celtic actually had the chance to win at Ibrox in 2012 given the, the points deduction that they had for going into administration just before they died uh, we blew it um, I say we blew it the referee ensured that we weren't going to win that game um, if you think the referee is bad with Hugh Dallas in this game you should check that game out Um Yes, I know Rangers had a man sent off that day. It was long after the game was gone. Um, Sentences off we had were farcical. We, we had it again after that, but uh, even that was the SPL, sorry, SPFL tried to avoid that um, because they gave us a game, I think it was against Hibs, or was it against Hearts? I'm sure we were getting Edinburgh anyway. Um, and we didn't win that game and we went to the second game which was at home to the New Rangers and we thumped them 5-0 not a problem in that game funnily enough early kickoff probably helped so you can have title deciders and they can pass off fine just fine there's no need to do it we don't need to be taking them away we should be marketing it but given that those who are in the SPFL are a joke that doesn't really surprise me but we don't so um, and Obviously, they went and won the treble that season because they beat us in the cup final a few weeks later. Far less trouble at that one, even though it was a three o'clock kickoff and people probably been drinking for those. Um, yeah, you can't, the evening kickoff was a problem in this game, really. 
and that's the bit we should be doing away with because well, you can have even a kick off between Celtic and Rangers we had that with the other one that termed the shame game which I've said previously that the problem wasn't the fans that night it was the players for Rangers um, losing the plot if you think my head was bad there was two or three of them in the Rangers team that were bad that day you know uh, but that was, I mean, that was a midweek 2011 game. So um, the the trouble with the fans didn't exist that day or that night. So you, you can have these games, you can have these deciders. That just we need to get away from that. But like I said, the, the image of the blood trickling in Hugh Dallas's face was appalling. Um, and there, there's no, there's no defending it. I'm, but like I said, there is other games that missiles get thrown and they don't connect, or they do connect and don't have the same damage, or so that that's not just a drunken people at six o'clock at night thing. That's just drunken people, probably, or people who are angry or whatever the issue is. Missiles get thrown, um, and you're not going to take that away by removing title deciders. We just need to remove these people. So yeah, it was a, a, a dark day um, for us 12 months on from stopping the den. But we know the financial doping that was involved in putting that Rangers team together. We know the mitigating circumstances that meant our team wasn't at full strength, but it doesn't take away the fact that that day hurt. And there's no doubt about that, and I don't just mean getting hurt by a coin. It hurt emotionally and... It was probably why I was so disappointed when I was at Ibrox in that game in 2012 that we didn't do it that day because it would have made up for it. And we could have shown them how to do it properly without losing the plot. Uh, the other thing I should point out is Rangers did a huddle after the game which they were explicitly told not to um, and they did it anyway and I'm not sure anything ever came of that. So typical Rangers do what they want and get away with it. And anti-papists Despite tax cases We still won The honest mistakes Masonic handshakes We still won We still won We still won May 1999 Rangers came to our place knowing a win would give them the title. I was at the game. I just had a feeling in the ground before the game it wasn't going to be our day. Two people in the park, Neil McCann and Hugh Dallas, contributed to their victory and subsequent title win. First, McCann, from my hometown, Port Glasgow. I know his family, good people. His granddad was president of the Ancient Order of Hibernians there for many years. To say we couldn't leave a sign for them is an understatement. Total shock to the many Celtic-minded people in my hometown. In all honesty, he scored two and played well that day. I hear he doesn't go home to his hometown much these days. Probably a wise decision. Dallas, in my opinion, is an attention seeker who loves the cameras on him and couldn't wait to be sent to the attention that he undoubtedly was that day. Couldn't wait to flash the cards at our players Stefan Mahe was the first to go. His rage when he was sent off was understandable. 
totally unfair and was matched by all of us. We huffed and puffed to try and get back into the game until recess was judged to have filled Vidmar in the box for a penalty that never was. Two major decisions Dallas got wrong. While I don't condone the coin throw, I understood the anger. McCann made it three in the second half to win it. Them doing the huddle after the game was enough for me and I left raising. Twelve men won it for them that day. Dallas was a disgrace, although you wouldn't think so as it was praised by the media after. As for McCann, that night a video caught him joining in in Donald Finley's sing-song with the rest of them. McCann, you're a scumbag, like brother Dallas. A dark day for me and all of us, I imagine. I try not to think about it to this day. Thanks for listening. After the game, I'll be out in Edinburgh. Shouldn't have done it, but I did. And I'll be 100% honest here, I was being for blood. Uh, I saw a guy that I knew of who was a die-hard hun uh, begging in high, the high street in Edinburgh. And as I walked past him, there was an unfortunate accident uh, where somehow my left foot managed to connect to his chin. Um, later on that evening, after several mere drinks, I and I helped a friend who's a member of the group or no name, basically panned in the windies of a Masonic regalia shop. And, you know, I'd lost the plot, right? Two, two ways about it. As this was happening in Edinburgh with my daft antics, what it was a cover story was happening with Hugh Dallas where all the praise and all that was going on. Now, as we've tried to say in various documentaries, right, there's there's a way refereeing that happens in Scotland that doesn't happen anywhere else, and that's what Hugh Dallas done that day. There's also two forms of establishment in Scotland. There's the Edinburgh establishment, which we've talked about, which is basically the police, the judiciary, um, politicians and so on. And then there's the Scottish establishment and they are basically like celebrities and folk who can basically say what they want without any kind of recourse. And um, I can remember years later an example of this, which was Tam Cowan, who just seems to be able to be a misogynistic, racist, bastard, anti-Catholic, doesn't really, and nothing really ever seems to happen to him, certainly doesn't get cancelled. And he went after his own manager at Motherwell at the time, a, a guy called Jim Gannon, um, who because Jim Gannon had said that Hugh Dallas was dishonest. This was in his in his position as head of referee in Scotland, and fucking Tam Cowan completely unprompted on an off the ball show was like, "How can Jim Gannon attack a man like Hugh Dallas, a man who's been to World Cups and blah 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 and all the rest of it?" You know. And who the fuck's Jim Gannon? What's he ever done? This is his own manager in Burrowell. Now, did Tam Cowan apologise to Jim Gannon after that? Pff, far from it. You know, even when um, Hugh Dallas was exposed as being a liar and a bigot, no, nah, he didn't. And that's what happened in Scotland. There was all these kind of fucking ex-referees and people, oh, Hugh Dallas, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. The man was an utter fucking disgrace. You know, I put in a book and a film everything about him, his Masonic connections, how he got up the refereeing ladder, the kind of man he was, he would use people until he'd squeezed the life out of them, then he'd move on to somebody else, you know. And yet, he still gets lauded on radio shows and TV shows, never gets called a disgraced ex-referee for sending uh, jokes around emails, mocking child abuse and so on, um, or the fact that he completely lied over the Doogie Doogie situation. And yet, we, 
as to my knowledge, are the only people who have put that game up and said, this is a fucking disgrace. Now, Celtic at the time were absolutely crucified for the fans' behaviour and for employing a psychologist to look at the actions of Hugh Dallas. That's when the whole paranoia Celtic comes running out and all that kind of thing. Why wouldn't they? Like, are we just supposed to take this line down? This just goes back to, you know, I always say, right, it's easy to, if you can be, to be fucking blasé when Celtic are winning trebles and all that kind of stuff, right? But the minute we show a weakness... This is what they dive on. And that's exactly what Hugh Dallas done that day. He saw a weakness in Celtic and he fucking exploited it. That's why you need strong managers at the helm who know the club. You know, Martin O'Neill's who will say, we didn't have to be better to win this league. We have to be miles better, you know. And as much as I love Joe Vengloss and he was a great guy and all that, we didn't have a strong enough leader at the time to stand up and say, no, this is fucking wrong, you know. Too many just... Fucking, you know, sweep these things under the carpet or say, what can we do? And they want in the park and all that push. They spent 40 fucking million pounds of that summer of other people's money. That's a thing, another thing that never gets fucking mentioned. But but you'll have people who will actually tell you we are straight face. No, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst just wanted to play for Rangers. I mean, that that's what we're up against in Scotland and that's why we always keep fighting. Matches that ever I seen Watching Celtics white and green There is one game I love till I die When Caesar held the big cup high The Lisbon Lions led by Jack Steen On that May day they stood so tall Still are the Tims raise a parting glass Good night and joy be with you all.